Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Inside Inter-Miami, the Miami Herald show on Inter-Miami. I am Andre Fernandez, Deputy Sports Editor of the Herald, joined once again by Inter-Miami beat writer Michelle Kaufman. And if you're waking up on a Thursday morning like we are and you don't know what happened last night, you probably are looking at the score and going, wow, great response by Inter-Miami. They got the big victory back in the win column impressively. And then you take a look and you click on Michelle's story and you go, uh-oh. Something really bad happened, Michelle. Looks like Messi. Yeah, uh, it was. You know, it looks like it Messi was might not be what out. Anybody expected? It's nope. not what anybody expected. Um, little Messi came back after not having played for almost three weeks for Inter Miami. He had not played since September third, so everybody was very excited for the return of Messi. The team posted there was no need for pizza boxes and and sleuthing from everyone on social media. Uh, the team put out pictures early on of his jersey hanging in the locker room that he's going to play and Jordi Alba was going to play so everybody was very excited for this game when I arrived you know once again most of the people in the stands were wearing pink and black number 10 messy jerseys I met a family that flew from Houston with three boys and their three fathers three 10 year old boys and their three fathers flew 1100 miles from Houston in order to see Messi play last night. They spent a lot of money for this and he did play for 37 minutes and then he came out and Jordi Alba played even less. Jordi Alba, who also was returning from not playing from being fatigued. They stayed home from the Atlanta game. Neither one of them played. They were supposed to be well rested and ready for this game against Toronto at home. And Jordi Alba mysteriously just comes off in the 33rd minute. And four minutes later, Lionel Messi comes off in the 37th minute. So all of a sudden, both of them are gone in the 37th minute. Nobody knows what's going on. Uh, all kinds of speculation on social media. Are they injured? Are they fatigued? Are they what's going on? Was this planned? Is this some big scheme just for them to be rested for the U.S. Open Cup next week? Anyway, afterward, had a chance to talk with Tata Martino, the coach. I asked him point blank. I said, was this a plan? Can you fill us in? What in the world just happened there? Uh, and he said, this was definitely not the plan. He said, of course, we did not expect those two guys to finish the game. But he said they needed 45 to 60 minutes in order to really get back in rhythm after missing the time that they missed. And they didn't get that. He said that Jordi Alba basically was having issues and asked to come off. And Leo Messi met, motioned, signaled to Tata. Tata thought it was him that he wanted to come off himself. But he was saying, no, no, that Jordi wanted to come off. But then four minutes later, he's, he Tata says that Messi made a movement from the left to the center of the field. And right at that moment, he looked like he was having some discomfort and he looked over at Tata and that's when Tata pulled him from the game. So this was definitely not a plan. According to Tata Martino, they were planning to play 45 to 60 minutes each. The fact that at minimum, he said minimum, uh, the fact that they both came off by the 37th minute was not the plan. And uh, so now going forward, Tata said neither one of them is going to play against Orlando on Sunday. That's really the big headline this morning is that Tata Martino said that he would like them to be available for the U.S. Open Cup final, which is next Wednesday 
at home September 27th against Houston. And he said, he said in his words, so there is obviously no chance that they will be available for Sunday's game at Orlando. So both of those players are going to be missing for the Orlando game. And then the question will be going forward from, from Monday through Tuesday night, the big drama is going to be, are they going to play or are they not going to play in the U S open cup final, but they're not going to play against Orlando. So inter Miami will have to keep trying to make their playoff climb without those two, which by the way, as you said in the opener, they won four zero without the, yeah. Without Alba, and by the way, all four goals were scored after they left the game. The team was actually struggling when the two of them were in the game. I'm not blaming them, but I'm saying that the team was not playing very well. And after they left the game is when Miami scored all four of its goals. Two beautiful goals by Robert Taylor, who really came alive. A goal by Benha Kramaski. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it, and, and Fadia. So, uh, you know, four goals without Messi, without Alba. So it's possible that they that they can win without him, obviously. Yeah, it's all. And, and for people that may still be getting used to to watching Messi play, you knew the second he came out that early, he never comes out that early unless there's a big, a very specific reason. So, you know, it had to be something. And yeah, it's just looking at that now, you know, this, the uh, it looked like from reading your story, uh, like scar tissue from an old injury act, is acting up and is causing this for him. You know, you knew there was something in recent weeks, the way they were sort of being very careful with him. And they're going to have to be, you know, going forward. And, and obviously they want to hoist that, that second trophy. They already had the League's Cup championship a few weeks ago. They want to get this U.S. Open Cup title. And but, you know, it, again, they have very little margin for error. They finally tied a team that they're chasing in the standings now they're only five points behind dc united uh realistically they're going to have to get into that play-in game because the the seventh spot looks pretty far ahead at this point but again very little margin for error so they need victories like last night they need the supporting cast to really come through the way they did and uh robert taylor especially i mean robert taylor we talked about it a few weeks ago the way the chemistry him and Messi have have developed on the field but this time you're starting to see the player, even without Messi being on the field, emerge and become a key factor offensively. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it was really important. Robert Taylor said afterward that it is very important for the rest of these players to see that they can win without Messi. Obviously, when Messi plays, they should be a better team, although last night they were not. And maybe he really is bothered by this by this old scar tissue because they've been trying to downplay it and saying fatigue, fatigue, muscular fatigue, this and that, that it's not a new injury. And maybe it's not a new injury. It's just something that's bothering him. But we're going to go back to when he asked to come out of the Ecuador game with Argentina with two minutes to go. That was very uncharacteristic. With only two minutes to go, Lionel Messi does not ask to come out of games. I mean, that is not what he does. He always, when he goes in a game, he likes to stay. He doesn't come out with two minutes to go. It made no sense. So something happened. He had some kind of discomfort. And then he went to Bolivia but didn't play. So he just sat there the whole game and supported his teammates, but he didn't play. Comes back. And then there was the big mystery. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play against Atlanta? And everyone assumed that he'd play. This was a big game, a big league game. There were 72,000 people who had bought tickets for this game. It was a very big 
high profile game. Then there was the question, well, maybe he didn't play because it was on artificial turf. That was the theory. Well, he's not playing because it's artificial turf and he and Jordi Alba maybe didn't want to play on artificial turf. That was a theory, but that theory doesn't ring true now because they came back and on grass, yes, they did play, but they both came out early. So there's something going on there with both of them, to be honest. Now, Jordi Alba, no one talked about any kind of scar tissue, any kind of old injury. Tata just keeps saying muscle fatigue with him. Not a muscular injury, but fatigue. And that he was just not ready to play. Tata said that both of them said they were ready to play last night. He would not have played them or pressured them to play if they weren't ready. He said both of them indicated they, they were ready. The medical team, you know, checked them out and said they looked ready. There were no signs of any injuries. They both looked fine in training. The guys that we spoke to the other day, Dixon Arroyo, when we I asked him point blank, how does Messi look to you? He said, cien por cien. He looked 100%. And so there was no indication at all that either one of them was not going to be 100%. The indications were, oh, they're back. They're playing on grass. They're playing at home. We're going to get to see them play at least into the second half. And they were both gone by the 37th minute. So something is happening. Messi apparently does have some kind of nagging old injury from scar tissue, is specifically scar cicatriz is what Tata Martino said. Cicatriz is, is scar. Uh, so something is going on with him. He is not at 100% because if he was, he would have played much longer than he did last night for sure. Yeah. And well, and the concern is because – you know, you'd take a 70, 80 percent messy, but that's not even last night. I mean, he just could not go. And, and they're they're That's the concern is that you, you, you're not having even the superstar play through it and still give you at least three quarters of himself, which is still far better than most. But when he just physically they're worried that he just can't go out there. Obviously, a huge concern going forward to for this team, which still, you know, a few more games after the US Open Cup, a few more crucial games coming up after that but michelle then i mean look you you saw how they rallied and, and got those four goals last night but obviously a different monster in orlando city this is one of the better teams in mls so you know we we can rehash the whole miami orlando rivalry with them of course how do they beat orlando city this time without the superstars yeah i mean that's going to be hard orlando city is going to be so incredibly motivated for miami this is like the game before the U.S. Open Cup final, and yes, they are trying to still make the playoffs and everything, but they do have that U.S. Open Cup final as a priority that they've been talking about, you know, next Wednesday. So Orlando, for them, this is a really big game. They're already in the playoffs pretty much. You know, they're they're way up high in the Eastern Conference standings. Um, they're going to be very motivated because they lost to Miami 3-1 to one in the League's Cup round of 32. In early August, they lost three to one uh, and Messi, you know, looked good in that game. They're going to want to beat this team. Now, obviously, Orlando would have wanted to beat them with Messi. Let's be honest. They yeah. want to show that they could beat Messi. But in any case, they're going to want to beat Inter Miami, point blank. They're not going to want to lose to them twice in a summer. This is a team that there's such a rivalry between these two teams that before they first played, I don't know if you remember, those of you remember, that uh, some of their fans threw purple paint onto the messy mural 
in Wynwood. So there's a beautiful messy mural on the wall in Wynwood and some Orlando City fans went and threw purple paint, which is their team colors all over the messy mural in the days before that first matchup. So this is as big a rival as Inter-Miami has. It's a cross-state rivalry. These teams do not like each other. The fans do not like each other. A lot of the Miami fans will be driving. It's three to four hours to go to Orlando. So there's going to be a big contingent of Miami fans. There's always drama when these two teams play. And you really would have wanted a full Inter-Miami team with Messi and Alba and everybody else who scored and played last night to be able to go up to Orlando for this game. Now they're not going to have Jordi Alba. They're not going to have Lionel Messi. So the guys who were there last night are going to have to do it. Uh, they've shown that they can. They beat Kansas City, by the way, without Leo Messi. They did have Alba. But they, they've they shown that they can win without Leo Messi. They've won two games without him. Uh, one of them, though, last night, obviously, Toronto was in last place. They have only four wins the entire season. Uh, that's a team that's really in flux right now. Their coach, you know, they're during in the middle of a coaching change. Uh, they have struggled this year. So that's winning 4-0 is, is a great victory for Miami. Like you said, it did move them up. They're now only five points back from D.C. United, five points back with five games to go, and critically, two games in hand, two games in hand. So um, Miami is, you know, ahead of, of, of D.C. United as far as how many games they have left. So it is still in reach, but the Orlando game is an important game in this race. And now they're going to have to do it without Messi and without Jordi Alba. So it's going to be a tall task. But the other guys have shown last night, Ben Hakramaski once again doesn't start, comes in off the bench and boom, scores. Robert Taylor showed two beautiful goals of the first one. You know, he dribbled everywhere from the left side back all the way to the right side and then drills it in and then gets another goal after. And Facundo Farias, he has really stepped in. He is not messy. Nobody's messy, obviously, neither Robert Taylor nor him. But both of those players have stepped up when they had to and shown that they can not only score, but they can facilitate because Robert Taylor had the, the assist on the other goal. So both Facundo Farias and Robert Taylor, Ben Hakremaski, those are players who have really, really stepped up offensively, and it's going to be very important with Messi missing. Yeah, and so it's going to have to be everyone kind of picking it up as the way they have it. Let, let's talk about Facundo because, I mean, ever since he practically set foot on the team, he's been a contributor. And again, last night he shows it. I mean, what? how impressed have you been about this uh, with this kid and the way that he's just fit in seamlessly, just come in there and, you know, become one of the guys? Yes, he doesn't look like a young player. He came in as he was 20 years old when he came in. He's 21 now. Uh, he, he has stepped right in, and, and I'm seeing why. We are all seeing why. There was so much hoopla about him. In Argentina, he was considered a young phenom that a lot of teams were looking at. Teams in Europe had already noticed him, other teams in Latin America. He was, he was, you know, by 18, 19 years old, he was one of the top 
Argentine players that everybody was looking at as sort of the next wave, the next generation of talented players. He has shown in the short time that he's been, he's only been with Inter Miami for about six weeks. During that time, he has already shown what he can do. Uh, he came in and scored a PK like in his first game way back when, and hmm. then goes and scores against LAFC, one of the top teams in the league. He scored again yesterday. He's been scoring. He's been facilitating. Uh, he's got a certain amount of flair, but the, he's also just very poised. He seems very, very poised under pressure, very calm, especially for somebody his age. And also, I want to say Thomas Aviles, they call him Toto, Facundo de Calfacu, and this one is called Toto. Toto Aviles, uh, Thomas Aviles, 19 years old, they put him straight into the starting lineup at 19 years old with no experience in this league whatsoever, the other Argentine. And he also has been a regular starter now. He has replaced Christopher McVeigh and everybody else, you know, he is a regular starter now on this team, 19 years old. And last night, by the way, in the early going of that game last night against Toronto, he made some really big plays, some really good decisions and really good passes and, and saves of, you know, what could have been dangerous scoring situations for Toronto. Uh, he made some very heads up plays early on in that game. And he and Facundo both are the two Argentine players that I'm going to give Data Martino credit here. These are two guys that Data had his eye on for a while, and he wanted those players. Everybody has been talking mostly about the big three that came this summer, with obviously with Messi, Busquets, and Alba. Of course, the three FC Barcelona former teammates, huge global superstars. That was the big story. But behind the scenes, Data was watching. Facundo, Tomas Aviles, and Diego Gomez, who's injured right now and was having visa issues, but he was flying back last night. I think he's going to be returning, uh, you know, back to the team today. Um, but Data had his eye on these three young players for the under 21 initiative, which is a way that MLS teams can get young rising players and not have it count as much against their salary cap. So Tata picked these three players, hand-picked, and, and Chris Henderson, with the help of Chris Henderson, the scouting staff, of course, they all signed off on it. And, and those two in particular have had a really, really big impact already. We forget that those two guys just joined the team in the last five or six weeks, and they have become regulars and, and making big, big, big contributions. So the summer overhaul of this roster was not just the big three, it's also the young three. It's that the overhaul is six players who have really made a big impact. Yeah, I like that, the young three, because people are going to always look at the big three. And not only that, but this also makes Inter-Miami, I mean, they're not the only team that has young stars, but it makes them, I think, one of the most talented, youngest teams in the entire league, I think, going forward, which is very interesting because we've talked about, you know, the sustainability of, of everything they're doing for years to come. Here you go, right there. That nucleus, right there. That they've that they're well. I shouldn't say built. I should say building because they're still are going to add to them. You've talked about plenty of guys that are on the way up, even younger than them in their youth program right now on the way up. So a tremendous job that their front office is doing to build that future, you know, for this club. 
And um, speaking of the future, I guess since they're prioritizing the U.S. Open Cup, why don't we do that right now? Let's let's take a little jump ahead of the Orlando game. And Michelle, how are the preparations going for that game? What can fans expect? Uh, you know, just so people know, like price wise, things like that with tickets, uh, you know, for this huge game coming up next week at, at Drive Pink. Yeah, this is a really big game. And the funny thing is the U.S. Open Cup, even though it is one of the oldest tournaments, it's one of the oldest soccer tournaments in the world. Uh, it's over 100 years old, um, you know, in the United States to have, you know, to have a, a soccer tournament that's so old, that's been around for yeah. so long. Um, it's It has a lot of history. It has a lot of tradition. But it is, despite that, it has not had much attention from the fan base. And it's always something that bothered me just a little, you know, just because it's a really cool tournament. It's just like the FA Cup in England. Uh, and, you know, it's 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 a tournament where it's an all-comers tournament. So in the early rounds, amateur teams, like a bunch of guys who just play together at a park, a bunch of guys who are, you know, blue-collar workers and put together a team, they can enter the U.S. Open Cup. It opens with Anybody can enter a team. So an amateur team can enter, a semi-pro team can enter, Division Three teams, Division Two teams, and then the Division One teams, the MLS, they get buys in the early rounds. So they're not playing the amateurs in the early rounds. But every once in a while, one of these amateur teams or one of these second or third division teams ends up having a really exciting run. And it's kind of like the NCAA tournament in basketball in the United States, where sometimes the little tiny team from the little tiny school beats the big team and makes a big upset. And it's a one and done tournament. You play once, you know, you're out if you don't win. So, uh, you know, it's an exciting tournament where there's a lot of drama. Uh, teams that come out of nowhere sometimes and pull off a run. So it's an exciting tournament. However, it has never really had the attention from TV. It's never really had the attention from the fans because most partly it's a chicken and egg because it wasn't really shown much on the big TV channels. A lot of people didn't get to watch these matches and didn't really know what was going on. Um, so everyone here was following the MLS race, but they were not following the U.S. Open Cup race. Now, because of Lionel Messi, once again, he raises the profile of everything that he touches. So he raises the profile of Major League Soccer around the world by having these games on Apple products all over the universe. People are watching Lionel Messi and watching this podcast from countries all over the place that have been writing messages because of Leo Messi. The same is going to be true of the U.S. Open Cup. Most people around the world maybe had never heard of the U.S. Open Cup. People in the United States. Don't feel bad, those of you outside the United States. People inside the United States have never really been following the U.S. Open Cup, a lot of people. Now, because Lionel Messi is involved, all of a sudden, people are running to get tickets for the U.S. Open Cup final. Like, this is, uh, you know, a big, uh, you know, Champions League final. Like, this is Copa Libertadores or whatever. I mean, it's not quite the, that level, obviously. But from the U.S. standpoint, it is all of a sudden a really big tournament where the tickets are going for high prices because Lionel Messi is expected to right. play and Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets, obviously, again, we never know. We may be having to decipher from pizza box images and things <laughs> on social media again, like we did last week with the Atlanta yeah. game. 
with Lionel Messi posting the uh, pizza box from Miami, from a Miami pizzeria when the whole team was in Atlanta. That is how we found out. That is how we found out that he wasn't going to play in Atlanta. In fact, that he was in Miami eating pizza with his family from a pizzeria in Miami Beach. That is how all of this came to be, the whole drama we, around the we, we, we all have to be paparazzi detectives to figure out all this stuff. I mean, uh, but going back to the U.S. Open thing real quick, even even me, like I, I didn't realize how far back this tournament went till I saw the little logo on Paramount pop up every two seconds saying 1914. And I was like, really? The U.S. is a, yes. a tournament that goes back that far? And they they do. It's, it is. It's one of the oldest. It, it's one of the oldest in the world. Uh, forget about. Anything that's been going yeah, on since yeah. 1914 in the United States is super old for the United States. But even among soccer tournaments in the world, it is third or fourth mm-hmm. oldest tournament in the world. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be in the United States. Again, it's a tournament that the real diehard purist fans who have been watching American soccer forever know mm-hmm. what the U.S. Open Cup is. And it's exciting because you would have teams like Miami FC you know, who was playing for the second division here playing at FIU against Inter Miami and the Inter Miami fans were having to come to FIU's place to see them play. So there have been some great matches between division two and division three teams. And even some of these amateur teams that have been put together have, have, have had some little runs that were really exciting early on in this tournament and beaten some, some, you know, favorites. So it's been a fun tournament, but now everyone around the world is going to get to see it. I think your your metaphor of the FA Cup is perfect, though, because it really is. Because the you see that like sometimes like a Sheffield United or somebody comes, just pop, bubbles up and beats Tottenham, and you're like, right, this would never happen in Premier League play, but in this tournament, in those tournaments, they do. Or like you know Loyola Chicago or that, that type of like Cinderella team. In basketball so it really makes uh it makes for a fun event for sure and uh but that profile part you know paramount has it not you know apple tv doesn't even have the u.s open cup i guess maybe right. it wasn't worked out that way but maybe they will someday but maybe you know the fact that Messi is in it and playing in it maybe that'll raise like you said maybe it'll continue to raise that profile where now this team is going to look for like hey let's get a big TV deal because we may have the biggest star in the world playing in this championship more often than just this one time. If he does, assuming he does. Yeah. Yeah. And this is going to be a chance for people who don't have the Apple people who don't have the Apple MLS season pass. will be able to watch this game. It's going to be on many channels. It's going to be on Telemundo. It's going to be on CBS Paramount. It's going to be on a lot of different channels. There'll be a lot of different ways to watch that match. So, uh, you know, I think there there may be some new audience that comes in, too, that maybe has not invested in the Apple uh, subscription. So it's it's going to be a really interesting game. And I really hope just from a from a spectator standpoint that that Messi does get to play, because obviously when he plays, it's so exciting for all the fans to be able to see him come on the field and Jordi Alba, too. Uh, it would be a shame if he has to miss it after all the hype leading up to another cup chance to raise another cup more a, a second trophy for the trophy case that had no trophies before now it would have two big cups inside it that's really their goal right now and then after that we should probably close out with you know what comes next do they really have a chance to still make the mls cup is there a chance for them to have a treble to have all three it is absolutely a possibility um you know after orlando they have nycfc they play at chicago 
They play Cincinnati at home. That's going to be a tough one. And then they play home Charlotte and then away against Charlotte. So they have some tough games coming up for sure. Um, but they do have a couple games in hand. They've closed the gap to five points. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And the main thing is Leo Messi, the GOAT, the center of everything with this team right now. Will he be able to play the scar tissue nagging discomfort that he's having? Will he be able to manage that and return to full strength? Because what we saw last night, it doesn't really seem like that was the messy of full strength. There was something obviously bothering him. He would have never come out in the 37th minute. That just wouldn't happen. Yeah, and, and that's and that's what I meant before that. I'd, I'd rather have him at 80% if he's able to contribute, but limited that way when it's when when it's to the point where it limits him from being himself noticeably and then it affects the team around him too because look like it might have in those first few minutes then that's the problem and uh but looking at the standings you were talking about now they have they have tied the new york red bulls there are two points back of charlotte and chicago and then that's what you were talking about they play charlotte they play chicago so they have those head-to-head matchups that they have to win and then new york city fc is in that mix too but if everything takes care of itself and they can sneak into that. They control game. their destiny. Yeah, yeah. They control. This is the one thing that was established with this win last night. That was so important for them. Right. They do control their destiny from here on out. All the teams that are ahead, they, if they win out, they, they control the destiny against all the teams that are, that are between them and the playoffs. Right. So they don't have to rely on this team has to beat that team or this team has to do that. If they win, if they win, they control their destiny. So, uh, you know, yes, they have to play the teams that are still ahead of them, that are between them and the playoffs. Um, But if they win those games, they could still make the playoffs. So there's a lot of excitement still to come uh, in the tailed month, in the last month of the season. Um, And the big question again, what is Messi's status? What is this scar tissue thing? What is going on? You know, right. is he going to be able to play next week? We know he's not going to play Sunday against Orlando. He's going to rest now for a whole week, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, but that's why the Orlando game is still so important because you don't want to lose that ability to say we win out, we're good. You know, if they lose that game, like you might go back into the need this, need that scenario, and you don't want to mess with any of that in any sport. But We'll see what happens. We've got to have we're gonna have a lot to unpack next week. That's for sure. Next week's episode because <laughs> yes. we're gonna have the Orlando situation uh, on, on the MLS side, and then of course, are we gonna be talking about another trophy moment, or what are we gonna talk? We're gonna be talking about a week later after the uh, Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup final on Wednesday night, Houston Dynamo, Inter Miami, big championship game. Catch it if you can uh, in person. If not. Paramount Plus, I believe, is going to be showing it once again like they have most of the tournament. But you can catch us here on this podcast. We appreciate you, as always, watching and listening. You can catch us here at MiamiHerald.com or on YouTube. It's available. It's going to be available starting on Thursday morning, Thursday midday probably, depending on where you are around the world. Um, But for Michelle Kaufman, I'm Andre Fernandez, and we always appreciate you guys watching. We'll see you next week to talk a little more Inter-Miami football.